Scaling Up Nation, this is Trace Blackmore, and this is another special episode of Scaling Up H2O. Last Tuesday, I brought you a special episode. You noticed we didn't have any music. I did not edit it. I just simply put something out there for you, the Scaling Up Nation, to let you know that I know what you're going through. I'm going through it too. And I think as long as we remember that we have a community that allows us to get through this together. And I want to make sure that we all realize that we are in a community. And the more that we can help each other, the better we're going to get through this ourselves. I shared a little bit of that story. That was a process that I went through. And I shared that last Tuesday with you. Well, this Tuesday, I wanted to go ahead and do it again. So this is in addition to the episode that will come out on Friday. And to all my water treater friends out there, to all the people in the Scaling Up Nation, we are critical personnel. We work and do our job so we can keep infrastructure working. That means that we are putting ourselves in potential harm, and that means we have to be safe about it. I know I've talked to so many of you that have instituted different procedures to make sure that you're keeping yourself safe, you're keeping your team safe, and you're keeping your customers safe. I want to thank you for continuing to do what you do because we would not have all of the infrastructure that keeps our world going if it weren't for people like you that were out there doing all those things that we do. And there's so many companies out there that are doing different things to help during this situation. One company I want to highlight is Aquaphoenix Scientific. Uh, they've been on the show a couple of times. They've been huge supporters to Scaling Up H2O. Well, they have started making hand sanitizers. Folks, uh, it's hard to find. Uh, I know a lot of water treatment companies are starting to make this from ethanol they might have on hand. Well, Aquaphoenix is making it as well. So if you are looking for hand sanitizer, Aquaphoenix Scientific is offering it. It's uh, E3 rated USDA. It's a no rinse hand sanitizer and you can go ahead and give them a call at 866-632-1291, or you can email them at sales at aquaphoenixsci.com. I love it when companies think, okay, we've got to do what we normally do, but we also have to do something extra so we can help serve what's going on right now. So great job, Aquaphoenix. Something crucial that I think we need to talk about, you're going through this uh, just like everybody else, and we don't know when things are going to open back up. We don't know when life is going to get back to normal. And I think the fear is we don't know what the new normal is going to be. Life will go on and we'll figure it out. You know, I started doing a lot of research about the last pandemic, and I'm sure all of you know this, but in 1918, that was our last pandemic, the Spanish flu. Now, I've mentioned on this podcast before that one of my heroes in life is my grandfather, and he passed away at age 97, but he was born in 1919, right smack dab in the middle 
of when they were experiencing that Spanish flu epidemic. Nobody in my generation's lifetime or anybody that's come before my generation's, or I guess I should say after my generation's lifetime has experienced this. And, you know, my, my grandfather was one of the older people in his generation. You know, he really hasn't experienced this. So we've got at least four generations that have never suffered a pandemic. So there's, there's no reason to think that this is going to be incredibly new territory. There's no book that's written for this. Uh, I'm sure there'll be lots of books that are written after this, but they're not doing us any good. And uh, the great thing is, is we're going to learn a lot from this. And if we do make some changes, uh, hopefully those changes will uh, protect us in the future. But my hope is it doesn't separate us in the future. As I mentioned probably about 14 times already, we are a community. And when people know that other people care for them, and we have certain ways that we show that, and one of those ways is touch, uh, I don't know what, what that holds in the future. So we've got to figure out new ways that, especially right now when we're asked to social distance, how do we let people know that we are for them? Last week, I shared with you the process that I went through because by default, I think we all default negatively. If we can't control something, we can very easily spin down into that negative spiral. Now, me personally, I am a task person. If I can accomplish tasks, I feel like I am doing some good in the world and putting lots of tasks in front of me makes me feel like I'm being productive. It makes me feel that I'm being proactive. It makes me feel like I'm working towards an end. What I had to do was formulate what that end was that I was working for. And as I explained in last week's episode, I wanted to be known for somebody that was helping others during this time of the pandemic. And that's why I started doing the webinar series. That's why I started doing these special episodes. I just want to be part of a solution that might be able to help at least one person get into a more positive mindset and think about all the things that we have to be grateful for in this time when we have all of these weird conditions telling us things that we cannot do. Something that has really helped me is the five-minute journal. I talked about that last week. I've talked about that on several shows. And the five-minute journal is exactly what it is. Uh, it is If you take five minutes to fill it out, you might when you first start doing it. If I spend a total of a minute on it my entire day, that's probably a lot now since I've been doing it for a while. But in the morning, it asks you three questions. It asks you to list three things that you are grateful for. It asks you what would make today great, and you list out three things. And then it asks you to give yourself some daily affirmations. So I am, and you list out what those things are. Then you go throughout your day. At night, it asks you two questions. One, three things that happened today, and you list those out. And then how could you have made today better? And that's the last thing you do before you go to bed. What that does, that starts to get your mind focused 
on some of the positive things that you have going on. And if you do have some negative stuff going on, it now trains your brain to think about what you can do to turn those in to positives. I've spoken a lot about the seven habits of highly effective people and habit one is be proactive. And something that Dr. Covey says in that part of the book is anytime you think a problem is external to you doing something about it, that very thought is the problem. So what can you proactively do to solve that issue? Remember, the only person you can control in the entire world is yourself. So what can you have yourself do to make something better out of a particular situation? I've got a link that goes straight to the five-minute journal. If you go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash journal, that will take you right to an Amazon affiliate link that will have the five-minute journal listed there. If you want to take the questions that I just mentioned and make your own, that's fine too. But I will tell you, having a nice hardbound journal with a special pen right on your nightstand really has a way of making that more effective for me. It was in this journal a couple of weeks ago, I wrote down a new time-specific mission statement for myself. And I actually look at this each and every morning. And again, I mentioned this last week, my new short-term mission statement is doing what I've always done may help me through this storm, but I must do more in order to help others. And I ask myself, what am I going to do more today to help others? And I hope you've seen some of those things with the webinars, with the podcasts, with some of the other tools that I've put out on social media. I hope that you have seen that I am trying to live by that special time-specific mission statement. And if you have any ideas of extra things that I can do, I would love to hear them. I decided that I wanted to be known for somebody that is helping others and I hope when all this is said and done that I can ask somebody and they said, yes, you, you did help somebody I know or you helped me. Again, I'm going to preface that it took a while for me to come to that because I really focused on what I was missing, what I couldn't do, and not what I could do. So I'm really hoping that you hearing me go through this process is helping you focus on the things that you can do. Now, I mentioned the webinars. The webinars are at scalinguph2o.com forward slash webinar. There are several up there. You can see that I've, I have something up there for the CARES Act. I know there's a lot of confusion on the CARES Act. Uh, well, there's people out there that's all they're doing is trying to figure out what is all the language in the CARES Act. And I have that individual that I did a webinar with. And you can listen to that. So anybody that you know that uh, runs a business, definitely share that with them. A lot of people think there's two plans. There's actually four. And you can take advantage of multiple plans. So that's on that website. Uh, I also interviewed or did a webinar with a sales professional. I know a lot of us are thinking, oh my gosh, we don't have sales during this time. Folks, what we do during this time is going to dictate what we do after this time. So we asked somebody what we should be working on. We had an HR professional come on and uh, allow us to 
know what we should be doing as far as our team is concerned. And we had a crisis communications expert host a webinar, and she told us what our messaging needs to be and how we should be communicating with our customers, even all stakeholders during this time. Well, today I am going to share with you a webinar that we did with a great friend of mine, Austin Causey. Now, uh, Austin Causey is one of the pastors at my church that I attend, Gwinnett Church, and he is he's just a really fun guy to be around. He's, uh, he's extremely positive on a regular basis, and he's, of course, continued that during this pandemic. Now, you're going to hear very shortly that Austin is not only a pastor, but he also is uh, responsible for a travel agency. Folks, can you imagine an uh, industry that has been worse hit? And when you talk to him about it, he's always positive, and he's talking about all these things that he's doing with his customers right now that are truly going to affect what he does once this is all over, especially what his customers think about him. Now, I was just so incredibly impressed that he was doing that. I asked him to come on and do this webinar. Again, you can view this very webinar by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash webinar. But for now, here is the audio version. Today's webinar is brought to you by the Rising Tide Mastermind. The Rising Tide Mastermind is a group of individuals that get together regularly, not only to help each other with our issues, but to help each other in all areas of life and get where we're going faster. Whether you join the Rising Tide Mastermind or another group, now more than ever, everybody needs a group of trusted advisors. The Rising Tide Mastermind is putting on this webinar series so we can focus on the things we can proactively do and not just simply worry about things that we cannot do during this unprecedented time. Our presenter today is Austin Causey, Vice President of Travel Nation and a pastor at Gwinnett Church. Probably two of the most disrupted industries have been churches and travel. Austin has maintained a proactive approach to both of his vocations, and I must say he's one of the most positive people that I know. Today, he's going to share four key concepts on how we need to take care of ourselves as we are taking care of others during this crisis. Welcome, Austin. Hey, thanks for having me, Trace. And I'll just echo back, man. I think you're one of the most positive guys that I know. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for doing what you're doing. I think this Absolutely. Is you know, one of my favorite books is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dr. Covey says you can focus on the circle of concern or the circle of influence. Yeah. And, and I think now more than ever, especially with the news the way it is, yeah. if all you do is watch the news, you just, you just worry about all these things that are outside of your control. Yeah. And if you focus there, you just feel powerless. But if you focus on the things that you can influence, well, now you can actually make change or you can help others make change. I couldn't agree more. That's, I'm, I'm, honestly, that's the intro to what we're talking about today. So you're spot on. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad I, glad I helped. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, thanks for having me, Trace. What my goal for today is, is honestly, I just want to add value to people. Whether you are the CEO of the business and you're a listener to this podcast or this webinar series, I think that you have incredible potential in this season or whether you just work at a company and you are 
you know, trying to grow your leadership, this is an opportunity. And I think when we're in crisis, one of the first things to go is our health. As the business goes, especially for those leading, as the business goes, so goes our confidence and so goes our health. And so my hope today is just to, to share four things that I've kind of noticed, picked up, like you said, in both areas of my life that have, you know, kind of helped me and helped lead the people that are on our teams to stay healthy in this season. So I'm, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I know you're going you're gonna to give a lot of advice and help some people today. I have no doubt on it. Well, um, I hope so. I hope this helps you. And if you, if you hear anything that's helpful, I'd love for people to reach out to you just to continue to affirm what you guys are doing. Um, so I just shared my screen and this is a brief, a brief keynote, but essentially what we're going to walk through here is what I think are the four keys to maintain health uh, during this COVID-19 season, which it's funny, man. I feel like it's not funny, but it's amazing that when this first started, we all thought, hey, maybe this will last three weeks. Yeah. And now we're going on week five, week six for some people. And so I think for those that thought, oh, I can just get by, maybe I'll take it a little easy and then I'll come back to work in a couple of weeks. I think now we need to really change some of our habits and change some of our you know, uh, paradigms for what we're doing in our jobs and in our personal lives to maintain health. Because if you're not going to do it, you won't get through this season or you won't get through it well. So like you said, um, I am a pastor at Gwinnett Church. I'm a vice president of a travel agency. Uh, I'm like you, Trace. I like to wear a lot of hats, but I think that keeps life exciting, right? Absolutely. Um, so kind of what you said, um, especially related to Stephen Covey and the seven habits, I think one of the things that I've noticed in this season is that when everything feels out of control, what we do is we try to grasp at things that we do have control over. And especially, like I said, for those of you that are listening, that are CEOs, you have your business and you're just, I, I know a lot of the business owners I've talked to, they're just afraid they can't control anything. But what I want to challenge everyone listening to today is this idea that the number one resource you have the most control of right now, whether in this crisis or not in crisis, one of the, the number one resource you have control over is yourself. And so what can you do to maintain your personal health, not only right now, but outside of this crisis as well, so that you can effectively lead or add value to your business? And I love this quote. You and I are both uh, Jeff Henderson fans, but he says, one of the best gifts you can give your team is a healthy, inspired you. And I would even challenge to say that you can replace that word team with one of the best gifts you can give your family, one of the best gifts you can give your clients is a healthy, inspired you. And I think when you are the most healthy that you can be, that's when you're gonna lead the best that you can. So um, just diving in, is that cool with you, Trace? We just yeah, absolutely, I think we're, we're doing great. Awesome, well, these are the four keys, these are the four things that I've found when you prioritize these four things in this season, it's going to help you stay healthy. When you prioritize rest, and I know there's going to be pushback there. When you prioritize this idea of pressing reset, when you prioritize your relationships, and when you prioritize reframing success, when you do these four things, if you can get this right during this season, I think you won't just come out of it alive. You'll come out of it better than you came into it. And I think these are habits. These are things that you can honestly keep even once this crisis is over. 
and continue to lead like never before. Um, so let's just dive into this first one, this idea of prioritizing rest to stay healthy. I know that sounds so obvious, but I bet for the average listener and even myself, I'm an Enneagram 8. Um, I've got a, a little bit of the Enneagram 3 in me. I want to achieve. I want to make progress. And especially right now when the business world just seems completely out of our control, the last thing we want to do is rest. We, wanna, we know we feel like we've got to put in extra work. We've got to put in extra effort. And I get it, Trace. I know that there are people out there that have half the teams that they did. They might not have anybody around them anymore. But I will say that if you don't prioritize your rest right now, you're not going to be able to lead at the capacity that you need to. And I think one of the uh, greatest analogies I've seen with this is the idea of an iPhone. And I know you and I make fun of each other because you've got the Android, I've That's got right. the iPhone. Um, but what my iPhone does is when it gets to 10% battery life, it will say, do you want to enter low power mode? And I think a lot of leaders right now are operating in low power mode. You've cut off everything that is not an essential function and your mind and your body is just going, hey, this is all we can prioritize. We can prioritize breathing. We can prioritize digesting food. Um, but when it comes to creative thinking or strategic thinking, if you're not rested, your body's not going to allow you to achieve those functions. So just like our phones, we've got to get charged back up especially right now, because we've got to lead at a different mental capacity than ever before, because who's led through a pandemic before? Every business that's out there right now has not existed sure. during a pandemic. And so we've got to be at our sharpest mental abilities because we're making decisions that they haven't written books on just yet, right? There, there's not a guide through how to get your business through COVID-19. There are a lot of influencers out there that would like to provide one for people, but there's not a, a tried and true guide. So I would say as the leader, as somebody that's in your company, prioritize your rest so that when those decisions come, you can stay agile mentally and um, physical rest plays into that too. Uh, Winston Churchill, he was famous for taking naps and he led through a war. So if there's anyone that shouldn't have been taking naps throughout the day, you'd think, hey, Winston, that's probably not a great use of your time. He said, no, if I want to lead like I've never led before, I need to rest. And so even if it's a 30-minute power nap, I think that's just one of those ways you can stay sharp and agile and present in this season. And so I've got a couple applications here, but um, Trace, if you've got other ones, feel free to, feel free to chime in. But I would say going, going for a 30-minute power walk. I'm in Georgia. We've had great weather lately. I know some people wish it would rain, but I'm enjoying the sunshine. <laughs> Just going for a 30-minute walk outside. And I would say there's, there's two kinds of walks. You can either walk with your family, but I would also say it's okay to go for a walk by yourself too. That solitude is going to provide you mental rest. Um, taking a power nap, like we talked about. I would not recommend a two-hour nap. Um, I, heard, I can't remember where I heard this, but the idea that if you fall asleep on the couch, holding your keys that when your body falls asleep, you drop your keys and you put like something metal underneath the falling keys will wake you up. That's exactly how much your body needs to recharge for that. Interesting. Day. So, an interesting tip. If anybody tries that, have somebody film you so I can see it. <laughs> I remember seeing something in Inc magazine that had mm -hmm. uh, like 10 key tips to have a power nap. I'm going to see if I can find that and share oh, that. That'd be great. Yeah. 
I think I remember one was you're supposed to down a cup of coffee right before you take a nap. So that way it, it kind of hits you during the nap. Oh, I don't that's remember anything else. Yeah. And I'm, I'm reading a book. It's interesting that you said that um, it's called the ruthless elimination of hurry. I'm going to put a link to it at the end. Um, but one of the things that he keeps saying is we're not prioritizing rest and we're constantly going to those things that um, artificially provide us energy. So we're going for four cups of coffee, five mm -hmm. cups of coffee, but you're not resting. You're not getting more energy. You're just kind of continuing to use the iPhone as it goes from 10% down to 0%. Yeah. We're not going to low power mode. We're, we're going to full power and seeing yeah. how far we can get. Right. Trying to manufacture that energy, but it's, it's not going to be your best thought process. So those are some, some ideas I have for rest. And I just want to leave the listeners with this question. We're going to have a question for each of the keys to prioritize. Ask yourself these questions once a day. If you want, ask yourself these questions once a week, but hopefully they'll help um, provide you a way to kind of align yourself to these ideas of how can I stay healthy during this season? And the first question is this, where in your day can you find 30 minutes of rest? Because I would bet that even the busiest person out there, the busiest leader, you can find 30 minutes of rest, whether it's either waking up before your family and just having those 30 minutes of solitude. I know you and I are both big um, proponents of quiet time in the morning just to start your day off well. But where can you find 30 minutes of rest? And I wouldn't say that rest is watching an episode of Tiger King. Even though Netflix <laughs> seems like rest, you're not moving, you're still mentally engaging. And especially that show, we don't have to go down that rabbit trail. But um, wow. I wouldn't say binge watching Netflix is going to provide true rest for you. So, you know, and, and I want to say that something good that's come out of all this is we all have a different day to day. I mean, it is just, exactly. it's just stopped and, and we're now learning what our new day to day is like. And, and, and now where people say, I just don't have 30 minutes. They've seen so many things change. Why yeah. not bring this into that's a great point. Yeah. Why not try it now when most of us don't have a commute? Maybe your commute bought you 30 minutes of time that if you build that habit now, maybe you'll sustain it after this is over. That's a great point. Um, I think it's really interesting. I feel like even though I'm in less meetings time-wise, because Zoom meetings take the place of my regular meetings, I feel like 30 minutes in Zoom world feels like an hour in the real world. So I don't know if that effect is happening to anyone else, but I'll come out of a 30 minute Zoom meeting feeling like I just was in a two hour brainstorm. No, I totally agree with that. Uh, we were speaking about Tim Fulton, uh, my coach. Yeah. And, and he says Zoom calls are like, you need to count them in dog years. So That's seven a times point. a regular yeah. meeting equals a Zoom meeting. Right. And, uh, you know, something different that I've never done is I facilitated an entire uh, day's worth of meetings where I was working with the team uh, over Zoom. And I didn't think that could be yeah. done before, but we did learn it, it could be done. But we also learned that if we did the entire eight hours, that was just going to be crazy. So we would do uh, an hour and a half at most. Normally, every hour we would take a break. Yeah. That's, no, that's a great point. And especially for those of your listeners that are leading those meetings, I find that it's even more taxing to lead meetings on Zoom because you're trying to constantly make sure somebody's not talking over somebody else. Um, so like we said, now more than ever, 
it is more important to prioritize your rest and staying healthy in the season. That's great. All right, Trace, you ready to jump into the next key? Let's do it. All right, the next one I would say is this idea of pressing reset, all right? And that seems like such a simple thing. In a lot of people that I've heard and listened to, they feel like what this virus has done has actually been a giant reset button on the world. And there's a lot of bad that has come out of that, and I won't, we won't even get into that. But like you said, we can try to focus on the things that we can control, the things that we can stay positive in. And so what I'm trying to do is use this season as a reset button for these three things, my habits, my goals, and my team's job descriptions. And so with the habits idea, you know how New Year's Day kind of has that restart effect? You feel like the slate has been wiped clean. That's what I'm trying to capture in this season is I'm giving myself permission. And I would say for those of you that are listening, not only to give yourself permission, but to give your team permission on resetting your habits, start eating better, start trying to exercise once a day or once a week to get those habits in a good rhythm. Like we said, it goes back into the rest idea, but if you can get these habits built in this season, they're gonna continue after this season is over. So if you need to start reading more, if you need to start resting more, give yourself permission to reset your habits. Um, the second factor of that is, I would say that it's really important to communicate the idea of resetting your goals. Um, I know this especially came into play for us in the travel industry. We have about 500 agents on our team and we did two things. We over communicated in this season. We tried to have daily zoom calls for a little bit. Now we've kind of dwindled them down to about two or three times a week, but we said it's important for us to know that you and knowing what's going on is a priority. And in that, what we realized is a lot of agents were feeling anxiety that they still had to meet the goals they had set at the beginning of 2020. And so even though us as leaders, we would probably know, oh my goodness, there's no way I would hold you to that same goal. We're in a global pandemic. They hadn't felt the release because we hadn't communicated it, that it was okay. And so as soon as we did, as soon as we communicated that to our team, that we said, hey, here's the deal. If you want to keep the goal you set for 2020, go for it. We think that you can still achieve really, really well. There's still a lot of opportunities out there. But if you need permission to press reset on your goals, we're giving that to you. If you want to create a new goal from now till the end of 2020, go for it. Because this, it's just not fair, in my opinion, to hold people to the same standards that we saw at the beginning of 2020. And so that was just one of the things we did for our team, but we found a lot of success in just relieving stress and providing health for people in that idea of pressing reset. Um, and then the third component of this, I think you and Tim actually talked a lot about this in the webinar, um, which was so good, but the idea of resetting what not only people do in their jobs, but even resetting what does your company do? What does your organization do? Because if you can change and tweak and figure out what do we need to look like right now and what are we going to keep coming out of this season, maybe your company is going to be able to grow in a way it's never grown. Maybe it's going to branch into a new area that it hasn't branched into. Maybe you're going to see efficiencies that can be developed. I know you and I were talking about this. Maybe we don't keep all the Zoom meetings, but we keep a few of them because it does provide efficiency. I feel like people are more tactical when it comes to a Zoom meeting because we all want to get off. 
So resetting job descriptions, resetting organization descriptions, and just allowing yourself to get creative again, to go, what do we need to keep from this season? And that's the question for this section is what ideas or changes, and this can be personal, this can be for your business, what ideas or changes do we need to keep from this season? That's going to help you provide a positive mentality on this rather than everything about this season is crashing down on us. And I know I have some friends over at Chick-fil-A. This is one of their key statements that they're walking through this season is, what do we need to cut right now? That's what everybody's thinking. What do we need to cut? But there's also this idea of what do we need to keep? And I think that's a great question to challenge yourself, even to circle your leadership team, probably on Zoom, and to ask this question together. I love that concept because so many people think that if they abandon their goals, that it, it's going to be a bad thing. Yeah. But uh, I think you explained so well, if we try to hold ourselves accountable to something that's not attainable, that's just not healthy. No, I agree. Yeah. And a lot of people are familiar with the idea of smart goals. And that's the A is, is this goal attainable? It might've been at the beginning of 2020, but is, is that goal still attainable now? That's a fair question to ask yourself if you're an achiever and you hold yourself to high standards. Um, but it's also a really good question to ask your team. And I also think it's important that, okay, well, maybe we're not going to do this goal, but we need to replace it with something. We need to rally around an idea yep. where we can all make sure that we're going to get out of this on the other side, you know, better than we would have without this goal. Now, what is that goal that we're collectively going to come up with? No, that's a great point because it's not, the goal shouldn't just, and maybe it is, but I don't think the goal should just be survive. I think that's a good goal, you know, for this season specifically, but if survive is your goal for the end of, 2020, you're not going to be in a better place. So maybe it's a short-term goal paired with a long-term goal. Hey, here's what we're going to do to make it through. And here's what we're going to do to make it better. Might be a good way to look at it. Yeah. And I've really found in, in teams and, and other people that I work with, you know, when maybe they need a little help getting to the right question, mm -hmm. but then once that team can rally around that question and you have that synergy of everybody feeding off of each other, and well, what if we do this? Or what if we do that? And what can come out of a meeting like that has just been incredible. I've experienced it numerous times with my team. And because yeah. we've done that, we're actually, I don't want to say we're excited about anything in COVID-19, right, right. but, but we, we have hope and, and we can see that we all have a direction that we can steer towards to help us get through the other side. That's, I think that's, you hit the nail on the head there, Trace. It's so important to think about the future, because if you're not thinking about the future, you don't have hope that it's going to come. And so just like you said, rallying your team, so many people have been a part of those conversations lately of we need to cut things. What are we cutting? But if you could challenge your team to go, what do we need to start doing? Or what, what do we need to keep from this season? That's future thinking. And that shows people we're going to get through this because not enough people are hearing that right now that this will end and it will, will, this will be a story that we tell one day. And I love, um, I think you and I both heard Andy Stanley say this. He's like, what is the story you want to tell coming out of this season? Do you want to say, Oh man, we, we had to let all those people go. And, and that was all we remember or yeah, we had to make some cuts, not only with people, but with ideas, but we also rallied around the things that were going to keep us moving forward. 
I think that's really important. And you and Tim talked a lot about that too. So that was a great webinar you guys did. Yeah. And you, you brought up Andy Stanley's uh, message. That was maybe the first week of COVID-19. I think he said it was, that. Yeah, it was really soon. Oh, uh, I remember at that time I was focusing and I just did a podcast on this very thing yesterday, yep. but I was focusing on all the things that I couldn't do. Yep. And, and I don't like to be there. That's not the kind of person that I am. And I felt closed in. And then I feel this huge responsibility for all the people that I'm responsible for. And it just wasn't a good place. Yeah. And that Sunday, Andy said that message. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, well, 10 years from now, when we do tell this story, am I doing the things today that allow that to be a story worth telling? And, and I, I remember thinking that I can do a better job. And I decided right then and there that I wanted to be known for somebody who tried to help other people during this time. So, and, and, and I know, I know you've got the, the same hope for this, but that's why we started doing the webinars. That's why we started doing extra podcasts. That's why I started bringing on more people that I could coach through this. Uh, Not that I know anything that they don't, but sometimes just being able to talk through some things with somebody. So um, I'm glad you brought that message up. That was a turning point for me. And and again, that was the real shift where I stopped thinking about things that concerned me and started focusing on that circle of influence, things that I could actually do. Yeah. And I I think like what you said, that's so huge. Um, You can still add value to people in this season. And there might be a leader out there where when you're hurt, um, this is a common phrase in the counseling world is that hurt people hurt people, um, but healthy people help people. And so if you can get yourself, if you can get yourself healthy again, you're going to put yourself in a position not only to help yourself, but to help your team, to help your clients, to help your customers and help your family. And I think that's really important. So let's dive into the, uh, the third key to prioritize in this season. And I would call that the relationship key. It's really important here. And this sounds so obvious. A lot of these keys, they, they, they don't seem that far off. But I would say that it takes the work. You've got to put in the effort to make them happen. Because it's one thing to know the right answer, and it's another thing to act on the right answer. Um, so if you want to stay healthy during this season, you've got to prioritize your relationships. And I think that it's been interesting that people have been thinking that they're prioritizing their relationships, but I would ask yourself the hard questions of, am I really prioritizing? And I would say specifically with clients, I've gotten probably 150 emails from any brand that has ever had my email address telling me their stance on COVID-19. And I'm sure you've gotten the same ones. I'm sure your listeners have. That isn't what I'm talking about here. That is good. I would say that's a start. Even at Gwinnett Church, we talked corporately to all the attendees about what was going on because you have to acknowledge it. But then what we did is we followed that up by getting very personal. Everybody on our staff started calling attenders. We started personally calling them. And I know that sounds like it sounds like so much work. It sounds like so much extra effort in a season where you just don't know that you have that much. But I would challenge people to do for one person what they wish they could do for all their clients. Do for one client what you wish you could do for all of them and make those personal touch points. Um, I saw this as well with uh, my clients in the travel industry. At first, I sent an email to everyone saying, hey, I'm paying attention to all of this. We're aware of what's going on. 
but that didn't make an effort. I didn't hear anything back about that email. What I did hear back from was when I personally reached out to every client, even if they didn't have a trip that was directly affected yet, I just personally called them and said, hey, I just wanted to see how you're doing. Not even about their trip, just to see how they were doing because I will say, Trace, there are people like you and I that seem to be more positive and more optimistic, but I would say the majority of people out there and probably the majority of your listeners, clients, or customers that they interact with, they're really, really anxious right now. And so even hearing from someone that, um, that is outside their immediate circle shows that personal touch point. It shows that you care. That's a way, and this isn't about making more money, but that is a way that you can provide a client interaction that they're going to remember way after this is over. And so those personal touch points right now, I would say are one of the most important things you can prioritize, especially so that your business can stay healthy, but that's going to help you stay healthy as well. I, I totally agree with that. How people and businesses act right now is how their reputation is going to move forward after this. I could not agree with that more. Yep. And I would say it trickles, um, it trickles down from your team. And so that's where this next point comes from is if you're not having those personal touch points with your team, they're not going to feel challenged to have those personal touch points with their clients. And so it's one thing to gather the team on zoom. That's important. Um, but for me personally, I've tried to keep, um, bi-weekly, we call them one-on-ones and that's just 30 minutes set aside for me to ask how they're doing personally, ask how they're doing professionally and see if there's anything that I can do to help. And sometimes those are just really conversational. Um, but a lot of times that can be really encouraging. I can provide truth where somebody might've, you know, started to feel really anxious about the season, anxious about their job. And so I think a lot of leaders have one-on-ones when there's, you know, feedback to give, but it's even more important now to have those one-on-one -on -one personal touch points just to encourage people, just to encourage your team and then to challenge them to do the same for those people that they lead. Awesome. I'm just thinking we've got some people listening today and they're thinking all those things are a great idea, but how do I start a conversation like that? How do I get somebody? So it's like, you want to talk about something with COVID-19? Yeah. Uh, who knows that they'll even say anything about that. Yep. But, but how do you get really to the, the personal and professional questions like you just asked? I mean, it's been really interesting. We, we have these lists of phone numbers and not everybody answers, but I will say what's been interesting is that more people are answering right now because they're at home. So you actually have more opportunities to have those personal interactions. And I just start the conversation by being honest. I said, hey, we are just reaching out to see how you're doing. And it's not about business. It's not about the trip. Um, but it's just to say, hey, we, we are just challenging ourselves to reach out to people. And just to be honest about that. And they don't care if they are part of a call list if they're getting a personal call. Mm -hmm. I think that's different. If they're getting an automated voicemail or an automated text message, that's not going to provide the impact. But if you just say, hey, I, I really wanted to make it a priority to reach out to all my clients during the season just to check in on them. That's how I've started all the conversations and it's been received well. A lot of people, especially in our church, because our church is a larger church and a lot of people consider it a mega church. They're saying, I can't believe my church would have this personal of a touch point. Hmm. And so the bigger your business is, I think the bigger the opportunity for you to capitalize on right now. Great point.
So, and then I also think that trickles uh, down from your family. Some people are single. And if you are, I would say it's okay to, you know, have touch points with those that are outside of your immediate stay at home orders. But if you have a family and you are at home with them, here's the, here's the trap that I fell into at the beginning of this and quickly realized it wasn't healthy is that I thought just because I was working from home and being around my family more that that translated into more time with my family. It's not the same thing. The quality time is completely different. And so I had to be really intentional, not only about asking and trying to be helpful in those, but really just to you know start up a great communication. Just like we know it's important to over-communicate with our clients and our team right now, it's also really important to over-communicate with our family and with our spouses and the people that we live with because they're in just as much of a cloud as we are. But I think as leaders, we naturally think, oh man, I've got to touch base with my clients. I've got to touch base with my team. And then you forget about the people that are, like you said, in your immediate circle that really need to know that you care about them right now. And so I would say just because you're under stay at home orders doesn't mean that you're mentally staying at home. Um, I feel like I'm more distracted at home than ever before. And I have a four-year-old, he picks up on that. He's like, I just want to play chase. I want to be Darth Vader and run around the house with you. So I do have to intentionally remove myself sometimes so that he doesn't feel like I'm always saying no. But I do make it a point to when I have that time or when I'm going to make that time to intentionally go to him or to go to my wife and say, hey, this is quality time. I want to invest. I want to talk. Um, and it can seem awkward at first. Like you said, sometimes the beginning of those conversations are weird, but it is so important to at least try to start them and to start, um, especially if you have kids, the play time, because I feel like I've had to be in bossy mode more often because we're all working from home. You know, you're trying to get your kids out of the Zoom and, and <laughs> I can feel like, you know, you're taking away value from them. So it's even more important when you're off the Zoom, when you're able to shut down to go and back and add value to your family there. Yeah, I love that point because people think being with somebody else is the location. I'm near somebody. Well, no, it's about connecting with that person. Right. So, you know, we have to be con intentional about that connection. Right. So great, great point. I also can't help but comment on, I remember when I would do conference calls before this. Yep. And if something came in the background, I, I would I would really get upset. Oh my gosh, now it's not perfect. I'm so sorry. We have so let go of yeah. that. I mean, I, I've had so many conference calls interrupted. Yeah. Uh, the, somebody's four-year-old, we run around the background and it, yeah. it just is what it is. I think that's one of the good things that has come out of this. I can We're a lot more upset. upset I, now I can't talk. Accepting yeah. of not being perfect. And right. little things right. like that, I think, is adding some fun back into all these things that we're having to deal with. I agree. I completely agree. My, um, I, one of my favorite memes before this started was that I think it was a newscaster that was stuck at home trying to do a webinar or something, and his kids keep running in. I remember that. And the housekeeper runs in, and it's just, it was chaos, and it was funny back then because that was so out of the norm. But now if you saw that video, you'd be like, oh, that's, that's my I was story. just on a call like that this morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny even, and this could be a, a quick tweak to make for your organization right now, if you haven't already. When we call in um, specifically in our travel agency world, when we call into Disney, 
they have an automated thing that says, hey, everyone's working from home. Please go ahead and excuse dogs barking in the background, kids screaming, um, just to be proactive about it, like you were saying. Because I think for those of us that are in this realm and we're constantly on Zoom calls, we get it. We get that it's normal. Um, but just to help coach people that, hey, there's a different expectation right now. I think that's that's just a sidebar, but I, I love that they did that. And I thought, well, was- well, since you brought up the big D, they're one of my favorite companies. Yep. Uh, I study so much about customer service and more customer experience because they get it right. Yes. So you work very closely with them. Yeah. What are some lessons that you've learned from them during this crisis? Man, I'm, I'm exactly like you. I don't just love the parks because they're fun. I think Bob Iger is one of the greatest leaders that I've seen of this generation. He's done a lot right in this. I don't know if you saw recently, he, um, right before this started, I want to say that it was the week before this started, he just announced his um, successor. And so Bob Chapek had stepped in as CEO the week before COVID-19 started, the week before all the parks across the world shut down, things that have never happened before. Um, And about a month went by, and I think they've been playing it by ear. They've been watching it as we all are. Um, But one thing that he did this week that I thought was really uh, notable is that he actually came back in as CEO. And I think that was an interesting move because he had, um, he is very good about seeing the future and seeing what's coming and trying to help the organization stay healthy. And I think he's anticipating there's going to be a lot of downsizing. There's going to be some shifts that have to be made company-wide. And I think he made a smart decision there because you don't want your successor's first move as CEO to have to be downsizing the company or shifting everything about what was working before. And so I think even though it looks strange from the outside that he's coming back into that role, I think it's going to position them to get through this. And I think... I think he was feeling great. His 15 years at the company have been unprecedented in the amount of growth. I mean, you and I are big Marvel fans. He bought Marvel. Um, So his uh, success sheet was looking great. And I think it was really humble of him to step in and say, I'm going to help lead through this crisis when I could have just gone out on an awesome rap sheet of what I did as CEO. But there's a lot that they're getting right. Honestly, I'm so grateful for a lot of the vendors in the travel industry that are just continuing to put um, guests first. Disney's done that. Royal Caribbean has done that. Um, And like you and I talked about, the ones that are getting this right, the ones that are being generous with cancellation policies, even if it's going to hurt them in the long run, they're the ones that are going to keep the clients when this is over. Because we've also had vendors, and I won't mention them by name, We've had vendors that have been really sticky about their cancellation policies where people aren't even allowed to travel to those countries anymore and they're still charging them cancellation fees. And you could, you could argue what's fair and what's not, but I will tell you that those companies are going to suffer after this because they're leaving a really bad taste in clients' mouths. Yeah, about the only touch I have in the travel industry is I'm a dive instructor Oh, great. And uh, I do scuba dive lessons at a dive shop and we sell trips through that dive shop. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our trips have been canceled. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we were supposed to go to the Cayman Islands in uh, late May, early June. Mm-hmm. And the island said, nope, nobody's coming in here until, until early June. So that's after our trip would leave. Right. Well, 
some of the vendors are charging cancellation fees for that. Our dive shop owner is not charging those to his customers. He's eating that. Yeah. And that's really hurting him because he's been closed since this started. Yeah. So it's, it's our hope that that goodwill is going to carry more message because uh, he's really going out on a limb. He's spending money that he doesn't have coming in right now. Uh, yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't the client's fault. So he doesn't feel that they should be penalized. Right. And, I, and I'm not trying to make light of it. I know that these are really hard decisions, but exactly like you said, the ones that are, you know, kind of owning it, I think they're the ones that if they can last through this, they're going to stick around and be in it for the long haul. That's awesome. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to the, the third question and then we'll dive into the fourth point. All right. Um, so the question for the relationships section is very simple. What relationship can you add value to today? Is it, I need to add a little bit of relational capital to my spouse. I need to add some relational capital to my clients, but every day there's going to be a relationship you can add value to. And so just challenge yourself to ask that question. Are you familiar with the emotional bank account with the seven habits of highly effective people? Yep, exactly. So we're making deposits right now. So mm -hmm. what are, how can I make a deposit into somebody? I love it. Yep. yep, that's exactly right. And a lot of, like we were just talking about, a lot of people are making withdrawals right now, mm -hmm. but you can be different and you can add value. All right, the last one, this is, I would say, the, the most interesting of the four things to stay healthy. Um, and I didn't actually stumble upon this until it was ne necessary in my own world. Because very similar to the idea of resetting your goals is this idea of reframing success. And this is where I would say for the person, the CEO, the person that's in a job that feels like they've lost everything right now, this is where I would challenge you to reframe what success looks like. Because this is a very difficult mental shift to make. But if you can make this mental shift, you are going to stay healthy through this. And so one of the ways that we've done this, like we said um, earlier in the travel industry, we reframed what success looked like for our agents. We said, we know you're not going to be selling right now because these destinations are closed. And so instead of judging your success from the number of sales that you do, judge your success on the number of touch points you make. So if you had a hundred touch points this month with clients, that is a great indicator of success. If you write 10 thank you notes to the travel vendors that we're working with in this season that are taking the brunt of this force, that is a huge win. And as leaders, we have to help for our teams to define what these new markers of success are going to be because it might not be sales right now, but that doesn't mean that you still can't succeed. If your people feel like they can't succeed at anything right now, that's going to be incredibly discouraging. But as a leader, if you say, no, this is our measure of success in this season. You're going to keep your company engaged and you're going to keep them moving forward. Um, I also really like this idea of success versus excellence. If you define success right now, and this is a, another um, Jeff Henderson quote, but he says that success is deemed by looking at culture around us where excellence is looking at success versus our own potential. So you can achieve your own potential without having to look at culture around you, especially right now. There is such a comparison trap out there of, oh man, well, we're not doing as well as that industry because they're an essential business. That may be true, 
But if you change your version of success to be excellence, like we have done as excellent as we can in serving our clients, serving our customers, serving our teams. And yes, there are ways you can pivot your business model. But if, if just in the, in the off chance that you can't, in the off chance that there's nothing left you can do, you can still strive for excellence, even if it's just finishing well. Um, and then the last thing that I would say on that is this idea of gratitude. And I got this quote from uh, Man's Search for Meaning. It's a great book. Um, it is written Victor by Frankel. Victor, Victor Frankel, exactly. And so he was in, um, I want to say it was a Nazi prisoner camp and mm -hmm. everything was taken from him, either Nazi or, um, or Japanese. I can't remember. Exactly. Yeah, it was Nazi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything had been stripped from him. He said he could not find success anymore until he stumbled on this idea. And he says, he says this, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. And so just to challenge the leader out there and just to be real, you may have lost everything, but there are still things that you can be grateful for. There's still an opportunity for you to choose your attitude in this season. And so I know that it can seem really touchy-feely. It can seem um, very emotional, but it is a big, big deal. And I would say don't give up even if you've lost everything. Um, I know personally people that have um, chosen to take their lives in this season. And I would say don't give up. There is still ways to find success. You might have to change your definition of what success looks like to you personally. But even if you are on the brink of just not having anything, you can still choose your attitude. You have the ability to choose that there are still things that amongst everything we've lost, there are still things that you can be grateful for. And I have seen from my friends that are leaders, from my friends that are CEOs, where they've had to let their entire staff go. They've had to lose all the sales. This is the thing that still keeps them motivated is going, yes, I've lost my business, but I still have my family. Yes, I've lost my sales, but I still have um, my health. There are so many things left to be grateful for. And so the question from this one is that in spite of everything going on, what are you grateful for? And I just, I want to, I want to tell the listener out there that has lost everything I know it sounds really hard to find something to be grateful for in this season, um, but find people that you can, you know, circle around you. And I think that's such a great benefit of this webinar series is that you're saying we want to provide community for you because even if all of this is going on around you, find someone to connect with because this is not happening just to you and you can find community and that can help you stay healthy in this season. And I'll end with this idea. Um, I heard this from a great leadership coach of mine. He said, the number one leadership challenge out there isn't, you know, our success. It's that leaders constantly underestimate what they are capable of. And so I would just challenge every leader that's listening to this right now, whether you're the leader of the company or a leader within the company, I think that we are constantly underestimating what we are capable of right now. And we can change the things that we do, we can change our habits, we can change our goals, we can press reset, we can pour into our relationships. And those are the things that are going to help us stay healthy in this season. So that's, that's all I got for you, Trace. Anything you want to add to that last section? 
No, I think that was great. I, I love that you brought up Viktor Frankl. Uh, he gets talked about a lot, and I keep on bringing up the seven habits of highly effective people. Folks, I guess book. if you're listening to this, if, if you have not read that book, this is a great time to read great that point. book. But Dr. Covey uh, references uh, Frankl where, I mean, uh, it was a, a Nazi camp he was in uh, for, just because he was Jewish. Yep. And the Nazis were doing sterilization techniques on him, mm -hmm. uh, probably without any anesthesia. Uh, and I can't imagine what that was like. Yeah. And it was during that procedure that he realized that they could take his liberty, but they couldn't take his freedom. Yeah. And that that lived inside his mind. Yeah. And while they were performing these horrible tortures on him, yeah. he was in his mind and I think, I think he was, he was a professor, but I can't remember what he was a professor of. He was lecturing to his students yeah. and he was making lesson plans on, yeah. on how he would now lecture to his students. And, and the point was that, you know, you can, you know, your, your mind is, is where everything is. So if we can fix our mind to where we're going, yeah. um, the mind's going to find a way to get there. Yeah. And he was able to, to write about his experiences. And I want to say that book is like 91 pages. It's, it's not very, very long. brief. Yeah. And you know, COVID-19 is horrible, but it's not a Nazi death camp. Correct. And, and when you kind of put things in context and, and you look at what you can focus on and how many people you can affect based on how well you're taking care of yourself and the message that you're throwing out from that. Uh, I, I think it's a great lesson to learn from that. I'm glad you brought that book up. Well, and, in, and it's one of those things I never want to make light of someone's pain, but I do want to provide a window into worlds like Frankel's where you go, hey, here's somebody that was in the worst of scenarios possible. And it's not about, well, my situation is different than his, but what can we take from his situation and apply right. to our own? And I think there's a lot of power in the shifting of perspective. And I really do think if you have a healthy mind and a healthy outlook, that can flow out into almost everything that you do. Like we said at the beginning, the number one resource you control at your company is you. And so I think there's, there's nothing more important than that. Awesome. This has been fantastic. I can't thank you enough for, for coming on and, and sharing some of this. You're always reading. So I'm curious, uh, any more books that you would recommend that might help somebody with some of these conversations that we have to have? You know, this is, um, this is one that I'm reading in this season right now. And I think Frankel's book is great. I think the seven habits are great if you haven't read those. Um, but this is a newer one that just came out and I've been going through it in this season um, especially in that idea about just trying to slow down our lives to what is really essential. Um, this is a Christian book. It's written by a pastor out in Portland, but I would say there's application in that for any listener, whether you follow Jesus or not. Um, it's the ruthless elimination of hurry. And it just talks about how even in other religions, they're still following these ideas that Jesus started about just slowing down your life. And a lot of the points that we talked about today come from um, teachings that Jesus did. They're just related to Christians and you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to follow the things that Jesus did. And so this is a great book. I would say if you haven't read this one yet, that would be a great one to read, especially in light of everything that's going on right now. 
Austin, the last question, uh, and then I know you have another meeting you've got to get to. I'm curious, what has been one of the top lessons you've learned from this COVID pandemic from both the church world and also the travel world? And from the travel world, I would say the importance of communicating, even if you're communicating, hey, we don't know, you know, just bringing the team together. We've, um, we used to do once a month Zoom meetings, and right now we're doing them twice a week for 30 minutes. So not quite the agile framework yet, um, but just the twice a, meet, twice a week meetings, helping people think about the future and helping them to constantly, um, because it's not natural. Our default, I would say, is to go negative and to help people stay positive, I think has been the thing that I've, you know, for naturally positive people, it doesn't take that much. But when you think about the idea that most people naturally go negative, then of course you have to remind them, you have to lift them up more often than you normally would. And so the idea of over-communicating, even when you don't know, even if you're communicating, hey, we don't know when Carnival is going to sail again. We don't know when Royal Caribbean is going to sail again, but they know now that we don't know versus them not knowing what we know as the leadership team. Um, so I would say that's been a huge lesson for us in the travel world. And just to see our um, team continually thank us for communicating with them. And what's ironic is we just got our staff survey back um, at Gwinnett Church yesterday. And one of the key themes that people said they needed right now was more communication. And I would say that not only goes for the staff of our church, but also goes down um, to the attenders at our church as well is that they want to be communicated with. And it doesn't just mean, um, uh, you know, advertising, that's not communicating, but we've had a lot of success with doing Facebook lives, Instagram lives, where people can engage and interact even while they're at home. And so I have seen that even though social media is very, very important right now, doing those live things where you can take questions, where you can take um, people's feedback, where you can see them commenting and engaging. Those have been really, really powerful um, for both of the vocations that I work in. Well, that's great. Well, thanks again for sharing those four tips. And I noticed they all start with R. Is that the pastor coming out in you? Yeah, that's definitely the pastor. I want to make it memorable. So <laughs> I, I did it for me so that I could remember these. Everything that I talked about today has been out of my own personal experience and things that have helped me try to stay healthy. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. Hey man, thanks for having me. Hope you have a great day. I'm sure you can tell by that interview, I really enjoy being with Alston. He, he's a really fun guy and, and I'm a little embarrassed at how many times I brought up the seven habits of highly effective people. I know you've heard me talk about that book so many times on this podcast I think I was either 18 or 19 when that book was introduced to me, and I can't think of a better book to read during this time. So if you've never read this book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I think it's a great time to do so. If you haven't read it in a while, go ahead and crack it back open and read it. Because again, there's just so many nuggets of information that we can take out of that during regular times, but especially 
right now. Now, if you don't have a copy of The 7 Habits of Highly Effective People, I've got an affiliate link that'll take you straight to an Amazon link. It's scalinguph2o.com forward slash the number seven habits, so seven habits, and it will take you right there. And folks, that is on Audible, so you can listen to it. Uh, there are a lot of different versions. There are shorter versions. There's longer versions. I think the unabridged version is maybe 14 hours, which is a great listen. It's a long read. If you got a lot of time, that's a, that's a great read because there's so much in there that gets you to start thinking about what you can do with the seven habits of highly effective people. And there's also like a 45 minute version. That is maybe the 35,000 foot view of the seven habits of highly effective people. So you'll know what the seven habits are, but a lot of the concepts I think are lost in that short audio. So go ahead and pick your poison, whatever is best for you. I think you can tell what I'm leaning towards. I really loved how Austin put the four R's. And of course, the alliteration, they're all R's, you know, rest, reset, relationships, and reframe success. And I think if we all just take a moment and think about each one of the R's, we ask the questions that Austin asked us to ask ourselves. Think about how different our COVID-19 story will be if we just simply ask ourselves those questions more often. So I challenge each one of you to do that. And I'm gonna give you some calls to action. So I've got a few of them. So I hope you uh, go ahead and allow me to, to get through them all. So the first one, I, I want you to ask yourself those questions that Austin asked us to ask ourselves. I also want you to think of someone you haven't spoken to in a while and go ahead and give them a call. Don't text them. Don't send them an email. Give them a call and just let them know that you were thinking about them. I think if more of us did that, it would really change the overall tone for this whole stay at home COVID-19 thing that we're all enduring. I mean, I mean, just imagine if you got a call from somebody you haven't talked to in a while and they just opened up the conversation with that. I, I, think, I think that says a lot. And, and if everybody can do that at least once, I think that's going to make some change. My second ask for you is to plan something out of the ordinary with the person you spend the most time with. You know, I love how Austin put being with somebody doesn't mean proximity. It doesn't mean being near them. It means connecting. And I think so much of us, especially since we're working from home more, we are not connecting with the people we're home with. So think of something that's different, that's out of the ordinary, that you can just show that you're thinking about that. And as we mentioned, that emotional bank account is going to be given a deposit. Trust me, I think when you do that, that person's going to pay that to somebody else. So I'm going to ask you to do that. And then the last thing I'm going to ask you to do is, again, realize by default, we all have a tendency to go negative. Ask yourself, are you having that tendency right now to spin everything that you're experiencing into the negative? And I want to ask you to pause 
and then say, okay, what do I have control over? What's in my circle of influence that I can do to change this and make some positive out of it? Folks, if you look around, there is so much positive that all of these different rules have allowed to happen that we never enjoyed during our busy regular day today. So it's out there. You just have to look for them. And then I want you to share this episode with somebody you think needs it. I think we all need to hear some techniques on how we can be a little bit more positive, especially in times where we think everything's out of our control. So think of who that person is, share this episode, or you can share the webinar, again, scalinguph2o.com forward slash webinar, and hopefully that'll help somebody start thinking more in the positive. I hope we all think a little bit more positively, and I positively know that you guys are going to hear a brand new episode of Scaling Up H2O Friday, and I hope you all have a great positive week.